This is the word of God from Luke 8, verse 22. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and water and they obey him? Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said, out with, said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be delivered by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down into the steep banks, bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it into, in the city and in the country. And the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. There is a book called The Power of Command. The Power of Command. It's a book that teaches Christians how to take command of your life. The book teaches you about your spiritual rights and how to apply them to your daily life. The book teaches how to turn obstacles into miracles, how to know the strategies of Satan and to defeat him, how to find the commanding power of God in you, and how to make things happen at your command. And it makes sense why a book like this would be written. We, we long for control in our lives, don't we? We seek after power. We desire to command things in our lives. We all long to command the chaos and the darkness in our lives. It could be that our marriage is struggling. 
It could be that we can't pay the bills. It could be that depression is overwhelming us. It could be that our pain and sorrows are too heavy. It could be the temptations and snares of sin are too strong. It could be that our failures and shame are too deep. Whatever the case is, we all long for the power of command. But the problem is not that we want lives to be better and to be blessed. Our problem is that we're looking in the wrong place for power. We're looking in the wrong place for control. Really, we're looking at the wrong person for command. You see, the more that I lean on my power, the more I realize I'm weak. The more I try to control my life, the more I realize I just can't. And the more I seek to have command over everything in my life, the more I realize I have none. And that's right where God's word brings us today. You see, God's word is speaking to us today about someone who has great command. And it's not any of us here in the room today. Today we have two stories of people who have absolutely no command over the chaos and darkness in their lives. But who are in the presence of the one who does. Today we have two stories about the authority and the power and the command of Jesus. And God is calling us to set our gaze on him. To see his command over the winds and waves. To see his command over the unclean spirits. Today God is showing us the command of Jesus so that we might trust him and so that we might proclaim him. So here's what God has to say to us in this first story. Jesus commands the winds and waves, so trust him. So Luke tells us that Jesus and his disciples hop into a boat. As they set sail across the lake to the other side, a windstorm comes out of nowhere and things aren't looking good. The Sea of Galilee was surrounded by hills and it was common for winds to rush down to the lake and to create violent storms. Luke tells us the boat is filling with water and they are in danger of sinking. Things are looking really bad and the disciples knew that things were not looking good for them. But where is Jesus in all of this? Luke tells us he's asleep. He had been teaching and healing so much that he was just exhausted. I mean, that's some kind of exhausted to be sleeping through a storm like this. And the disciples are shocked, so they wake him up. Master, Master, we're perishing. Do you hear how hopeless they are? They believe the boat is going down, and they're going down with it. But then Jesus does something surprising. He wakes up. He rebukes the winds and the waves, and they cease. They stop. At his word, these violent winds and crashing waves Stop. Now imagine what that must have been like. You're standing in a boat in the middle of the storm. You can't hardly see because the rain is so heavy. The sounds of the wind and thunder are deafening. The boat is being tossed, but like the waves, like a bath toy. The winds are so strong that you could barely stand and you're soaked from head to toe and the water in the boat is rising. 
So you're filled with fear thinking you're about to die. And then your teacher stands up and he doesn't grab the ropes to try to get the sail working. He doesn't grab a bucket to try to start bailing water. No, he rebukes the storm. And in a moment, it all stops. No wind, no rain, no waves, no storm, just calm. Everything goes from complete chaos to complete calm. And all because of the command of Jesus. Jesus commands even the winds and the waves and they obey him. You see, we find here the Lord of Psalm 107 in this story. We see Yahweh standing here in the boat with his friends. Listen to the psalmist, Psalm 107, verses 28 and 29. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. You see, in the stillness, the disciples are filled with more fear, and they are amazed at Jesus. They begin to say to one another, who is this then that he commands the winds and the water and they obey him? You see, Jesus isn't just a prophet who can do signs and wonders. Jesus is the God of heaven in the flesh, the only one who can command the winds and the waves. Now, what is this story about? You know, people often come to the story and they say something like this. Jesus wants to calm the storms in your life, too. They say there might be chaos in your life, but Jesus has come to rebuke it and to bring you peace. That may be true in some sense, but I don't think that's what the story is about. Notice what Jesus doesn't say to his disciples. He doesn't say, whoa, guys, chill out. There's no need to worry. I got this. I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. He doesn't say that. Notice what he does say. Notice his question in verse 25. Where is your faith? He's saying to his disciples, don't you trust me? You've heard me preaching. You've seen me healing. You've even seen me raise the dead. Why don't you trust me? You see, the story is not about how Jesus will never let bad things happen to us. This story is about trusting Jesus when they do. And the question that God is asking us today through his word is, will we trust Jesus? When the chaos comes crashing down upon us, will we trust Jesus? Friends, Jesus never promises that nothing bad will ever happen to us. Never. But he does promise that we can trust him. And friends, we can trust him because Jesus threw himself into the storm for us. You see, on the cross, Jesus hurled himself into the storm of God's wrath for us. You see, the one who commands the winds and the waves laid down his life for us. And the waves of sin came crashing down upon him. And friends, Jesus sank all the way into death. Jesus is the one who perished.
for us and in our place. And because of God's great love for sinners like us, Jesus went to the cross to save us from the chaos of destruction and death. And because of the cross, we can trust Jesus. You see, if he was willing to prove his love for us in that way, then we can have confidence in his love, even in the midst of the chaos and the storm. You see, on the cross, Jesus proved that no chaos in this world can separate us from the love of God. And that's why we trust him, no matter what storms may come in our lives. And brothers and sisters, storms will come in our lives. And when they do, we have to trust Jesus. So when the storm of suffering comes, we've got to trust Jesus. I mean, God's word is clear. We will all suffer in this life. It's the reality of living in a fallen world. It's even God's will for us to to help us grow. But it's also a test for us. Suffering is a test of will we trust Jesus or will we not? Will we trust him through the cancer? Will we trust him through infertility? Will we trust him through mental illness? Will we trust him when the money runs out or when the marriage falls apart or when the loneliness never goes away? Will we trust Jesus? So, Brothers and sisters, if that's you, if you feel swept away in a storm of suffering today, then my encouragement is to trust Jesus. Trust that he's working even when we don't see it. Trust that he loves us even when we don't feel it. When suffering comes, let's trust Jesus. When the storm of doubt maybe comes upon us, we have to trust Jesus. Maybe you're doubting the goodness of God or doubting His plan for you or doubting the fact that He loves you. Maybe you're doubting that Jesus is better than what the world has to offer or doubting that Jesus really is gentle and lowly or or doubting that Jesus really is enough for you. It's in those moments of doubting that we have to trust Jesus. We have to run to him with our doubts and we have to trust that he's going to be merciful when we doubt. We have to trust that he really is enough for us. So if that's you, brothers and sisters, if you feel swept away by the storm of doubt, then my encouragement for you is to trust Jesus. Trust that he really is the answer to every question. Trust that he really is enough, even when it's hard to believe it. So when doubt comes, let's trust Jesus. Maybe another storm comes, the storm of discouragement in your life. We have to trust Jesus. I'm sure there's many of us here today who would say, we're just simply discouraged. Maybe you're not facing some really difficult suffering. Maybe you're not lost in doubt, but you're just weary just tired, discouraged in life. Maybe you're discouraged as a parent or discouraged with things at work. Maybe you're discouraged with your own sin or your own lack of love for Jesus. If you feel swept away in a storm of discouragement, then trust Jesus. Trust that His faithfulness will never fail you. Trust that His peace will never leave you. Trust that His love will never give up on you. 
when the storm of discouragement comes, that's when we need to trust Jesus. And lastly, even when the storm of death comes, we need to trust Jesus. As much as we might want to deny it, there is a storm coming for all of us that we will not escape. Unless Jesus comes back soon, every person in this room will eventually die. And death is the ultimate test of faith, is it not? Will we die trusting Jesus? When we get swept away into the storm of death, that's when we need to trust Jesus. Trust that He will bring us into His presence. Trust that He will one day raise us from the dead. So brothers and sisters, when even death comes for us, let's trust Jesus. So let me ask you, where is your faith today? My prayer and my hope for you today is that your faith would be in Jesus and in Jesus alone. You see, Jesus is the only one who can command the winds and the waves. And so he's the only one worthy then of our trust. And so whatever storm you're facing in your life, whatever storm you will face, brothers and sisters, let's trust Jesus. That's what God wants us to see in the first story. Let's look now at the second story. God wants us to see that Jesus commands the demons, so proclaim him. Now, we've come to this second story in our passage, and I know everybody's just on the, the, on the edge of your seats, right? You want to know what in the world is up with these pigs, right? Uh, one pastor who had pastored for 40 years said out of the top three questions he got in 40 years, one of them was always, what is with the pigs in this story in the gospel? Well, let's find out what Luke has for us. Luke tells us that Jesus and his disciples sail to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They're in the region of the Gerasenes. This was a Gentile region, meaning the people there were not Jews. And when they step out of the boat, immediately they're greeted by a demon-possessed man. And these demons were destroying this man's life. Luke tells us he didn't wear any clothes. He lived among the tombs in the desert. The people tried to restrain him and put chains on him, and he would break those apart. And so when Jesus sees this man possessed by these demons, he commands the unclean spirit to come out of the man. But the demons make him cry out, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torment me. Isn't that interesting how even the demons in this man clearly see who Jesus is? They never met Jesus. It's the first time he's been here, but they know who he is. They know he is the son of the most high God, and they know he is here to destroy them. So Jesus asks the man his name, and they say legion. Legion is a military term, and it refers to 6,000 Roman soldiers. That's what a legion is. So these demons are telling Jesus they are 6,000 strong. But really, all the demons and all of creation are no match for Jesus. And so they try to bargain with him. They beg Jesus not to send them into the abyss. The abyss was a symbol of death and destruction. Now Luke tells us there was a large herd of pigs. And the demons then beg Jesus to go into the pigs. 
And Jesus does something maybe even more surprising than what he did in the last story. He lets them. These demons leave the man, they enter the pigs, and then something even more surprising happens. They all rush down to the lake and they all drown themselves and die. So the demons end up in the abyss after all thanks to these pigs. So this is a crazy story, I'm not going to lie. I'm sure you got lots of questions. I mean, can someone really have 6,000 demons living in them? Did Jesus not care about those poor pigs? I mean, what happened to the demons when, when the pigs drowned? I, I, honestly, I wish I had all the answers, but I don't. But, but here is what Luke does want us to see in this story. Jesus commands even the demons, and he does it to deliver us from darkness. Notice what happens to this man now that he is free. So the, the guys who are herding these pigs probably are just standing there in shock that all of their pigs just drowned as these demons went into them. They ran into town and they tell everybody about it. They bring them out. And when the people come back to the lake, what do they see? They see this man wearing clothes. He's in his right mind and he is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Here he is sitting at the feet of the one who commands even the demons, the one who delivered him from the darkness. Friends, if if you've been saved by Jesus, I know some of you have just recently given your life to Christ. There's no better place to be than there at the feet of Jesus. And you see, all of us, we may never experience being oppressed by demons like this man, but we've all been enslaved to the powers of darkness in one way or another. The Word of God says that the God of this age, Satan, has blinded all of us. The prince of the power of the air has led us into rebellion. The authorities and cosmic powers have enslaved us under this present darkness. But friends, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And He has transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. And so if you are a follower of Jesus then this is true of you. You've been delivered from the domain of darkness. You've been transferred to the kingdom of Jesus. Maybe, maybe not, but don't know if we've all been possessed by demons at one point or another, but this is true for every single one of us in Christ. We are in His kingdom by His power. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, friend, your only hope is that Jesus would deliver you from this darkness. Maybe you feel like you're a good person. Maybe you think being religious is enough. Maybe you have experienced oppression by demonic forces like this. The truth is all of us are lost under the power of darkness. And the only way to be free is through Jesus. You see, your only hope today is that you would repent of your sins and believe that Jesus lived and died and rose again to save you. To save you from the darkness of sin and rebellion. And friend, if you would do that today, then God will deliver you from the domain of darkness. When you put your faith in Jesus, He will transfer you into the kingdom of His beloved Son. And just like this man, you'll be set free. And you'll have a place there at the feet of Jesus. 
So if you've never repented and never believed in Jesus, would you do that today for the first time? Would you come to Jesus and, and trust Him? Let Him be your light in your life. would love to talk to anyone today. I'm sure there's many here who would. If you've never done that, let me encourage you to do that today, to come to Christ. Now, if you are a Christian today, Jesus, as I said, has delivered you from the darkness of sin and Satan and death. And he has done it so that you might go and tell. Notice what Jesus says to the man as they're leaving. So the people ask Jesus to leave because they're just so afraid and scared of this thing that's happened and so Jesus and his disciples get on the boat to leave. But this man who's just been delivered from these demons goes and begs Jesus that he might go with them. Can't you just hear the man? Jesus, why are you leaving? Please don't leave. You just saved me. You just delivered me. Please, can I come with you? Notice what Jesus says to him in verse 39. Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Go home, tell everybody what's happened. You see, Luke tells us he does exactly that. He goes and tells how much Jesus has done for him. And he leaves and he proclaims to the whole city. Brothers and sisters, this is a natural response to someone who has been saved by Jesus. If Jesus has done so much for us, and he has, then we must go and tell. We must proclaim him. We must proclaim the one who has the powers, who commands the powers of darkness, and they tremble. We sang that earlier. We must proclaim the one who has done so much for us. If he has delivered us, then we must tell others. If he's forgiven us, we must tell others. If he's saved us, we've got to tell others. If he's given us new life, we must tell others. You see, we should want everyone to know how Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross and rose again on the third day for us. When we see just how much Jesus has done for us, we should want everyone to know. Now, I'll be honest and admit, sharing the gospel doesn't come naturally to me. I wish and I pray that I was better at sharing the gospel, but notice the motivation behind this man's proclamation. He's not sitting in a class where his teacher says, you got to go share the gospel with three people this week and you got to come back next week and report it. It's not what's happening. He's not sitting in a church service hearing announcements about going door to door that afternoon thinking, oh, I don't know if that's going to be me or not. He's not listening to a preacher tell him that he's a bad Christian if he doesn't share the gospel. This man has just experienced the power of Jesus to rescue him from darkness. And he wants everybody to know. His motivation was simply to tell everyone what Jesus had done for him. When is the last time you told someone what Jesus has done for you? I know evangelism can be hard. I know it can be scary. I know it can be overwhelming. But friends, all we are doing is telling people how much Jesus has done for us and showing them how much he can do for them. So brothers and sisters, let's proclaim Jesus together. Let's proclaim him in our city. 
Friends, there is less than 20% of the people in Warren County that attend church regularly. That means even less than that are people who have actually been saved by Jesus. So that means there are over 106,000 people in our county that don't know Jesus. Sometimes people say, why does Bowling Green need another church? We've got so many churches. I mean, if all of those people woke up next Sunday and said, I guess we should go to, Easter, go to church, it's Easter, right? There would be nowhere for them to go. Why do we need more churches? Why do we need more people sharing the gospel? 106,000 reasons why, right there. So let's be faithful to proclaim the gospel in this neighborhood around the church. The neighborhood that God has placed us in. I mean, why not come and join us for Engage this afternoon? Why not go and tell our neighbors how much Jesus has done for us? And let's be faithful to proclaim Jesus, not just here, but to our co-workers and our neighbors, our friends, our family. And not because you have to. Not because you'll feel guilty if you don't do it. But because Jesus is so amazing. Because he's done so much for us. Friends, let's pray for boldness. Let's pray for opportunities. But let's be compelled to tell all the amazing things that Jesus has done for us. Let's proclaim Jesus to our city, but let's also proclaim him to the nations. You see, this story is one of the few times in the Gospels that Jesus does ministry among people who are not Jews. And this story even reminds us that Jesus didn't just come for the Jewish people. Jesus came to purchase for himself a people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And that's good news that we need to declare to the nations. There are over 3 billion, with a B, billion people in the world who have never heard the name of Jesus. And they know no one who has. Three billion people who will die and face an eternity of judgment, never hearing the only name that saves. So what's keeping us from going and telling them all that Jesus has done? What's keeping us from going and sharing how Jesus can deliver them from the darkness too? Friends, let's pray for our missionaries. Let's support financially our missionaries. Let's even be willing to go when God calls us to go. We may not all be called to go, but we are all called to work and to pray that the gospel might go to the nations. We're all called to proclaim Jesus. You see, Jesus is the only one who can command the demons. And Jesus is the only one then who is able to deliver us from darkness. And so brothers and sisters, if we have been delivered, if he has done so much for us, then let's go and let's proclaim him. That's what God wants us to see in that second story today. You know, today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we remember how Jesus came into Jerusalem at the start of Holy Week. Holy Week was that last week of Jesus' ministry before his death and resurrection. 
And Palm Sunday is a day to remember how Jesus rode into town, into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. Pastor Joel read at the beginning of the service. And the crowds, they begin to wave these palm branches and they start shouting the word Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. You see, the word Hosanna is both a declaration of praise and a prayer. It's from Psalm 118, and it means this, save us, we pray. So Jesus is riding into the town on a donkey. The people are waving palm branches, and they're shouting, save us, we pray. Save us, we pray. You see, as much as we might like to think that we are in control of our lives, Palm Sunday reminds us that we are actually helpless. On our own, we're helpless to calm the chaos in our lives. On our own, we're helpless to destroy the darkness in our lives. And so we need someone to save us, don't we? We need someone who has the power to command the winds and the waves. We need someone who has the power to deliver us from darkness. Someone who can defeat sin. Someone who can dethrone Satan. Someone who can destroy death. Friends, that someone is Jesus. And he's our only hope. He is our only hope that he might save us, we pray. So as we go into Holy Week this week, let's remember that only Jesus saves as we remember the things that he did throughout this week, as we gather together on Friday for Good Friday, as we gather next week for Easter Sunday, let's remember that Jesus is in complete command of all things. Every moment, every conversation during Holy Week, Jesus was in complete command. Even when they arrested him, even when they beat him, even when they put a crown of thorns on him and mocked him, even when they spit in his face, even when they nailed his hands to the cross, he was in complete command. You see, Jesus had come to lay down his life for his sheep. And there is now nothing that can separate us from his love. So let's remember Jesus this week. Let's remember that Jesus commands the winds and the waves, and so let's find ways to trust him this week. Let's remember that Jesus commands the demons, and so let's find ways to proclaim him this week. Let's trust Jesus. Let's proclaim Jesus. And let's rest in the power and the peace of his command. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. God, we would be hopelessly lost without him. God, we would perish in the storms that come upon us. We would perish in our suffering and in our doubting. In our discouragement, we would perish into death were it not for Jesus. But he is mighty, he is strong, 
He's the one who commands the winds and the waves. So God, would you help us to trust him? Would you help us to see that the cross proves that he can be trusted? Even when we're suffering, even when we fail, even when we fall, the cross proves that he can be trusted. So help us to trust him. Lord, we thank you that he commands the demons, Lord. Lord, I know that we we come to these stories and they can seem odd to us and out of place. But your word is clear that these powers and authorities are real. And their influence over our lives is real. And without Jesus, we can do nothing to stop them. But Lord, we thank you that we have Jesus. That he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And he has given us a place to sit there at the feet of Jesus. So we might know and love our Savior. So we might serve and obey him. God, I pray for those here today who don't know Jesus, who are still lost in the darkness of their sin, that today would be the day of deliverance. Today would be the day of salvation for them, Lord Jesus. Would you deliver them today just like you did that man there on the beach of the Sea of Galilee? And God, for all of us who have been delivered, would you make us bold proclaimers of what Jesus has done? May we go and tell to everyone just how much Jesus has done for us. How he's saved us and forgiven us and cleansed us from our sin and, and raised us to walk in new life with him, Lord. God, would you put Jesus on our lips as we go about our weeks celebrating Jesus? Would you call us and to, to our neighborhood and to our friends and our families to share the good news? Would you even call someone today to go to the nations to proclaim to those who have never heard the name of Jesus? God, we have such an amazing story to tell. Would you make it our joy to share and to proclaim it? And Lord, as we go about this holy week, God, may we remember Jesus, the one who commands the winds and waves, the one who commands the demons, and help us to trust and proclaim him this week. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.